2: Hello and welcome to your go-to Detroit Pistons podcast, The Pistons Pulse, co-hosted by me, Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops, a former D1 Hooper and current teacher, husband, and father of three amazing kids.
1: And I'm Omari Sanko for the second Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press.
2: And of course, we're blessed to always be joined by our producer, Wes Davenport, who will be joining us later in a brand new webcam looking really good, Omari. Wes is looking real good. We're going to play everybody's favorite game, Sheet or Sham, at the end of the episode. Omari, is your hair different again this week? I feel like it looks different again.
1: No, it's the same. I just, like, I had it tied up in a ponytail. And uh, I just, like, let it down today because I don't like leaving it in a ponytail for too long. I don't know why. I don't think it damages the hair. But, you know, it's just, it, you know, it just shifts, you know. Like, sometimes my hair is over here. Sometimes it's over there. You know, it's just it just varies. Depends on how it feels that day.
2: It's always looking good. I just shaved my, all of mine that. off here before we started recording. And uh, it's just nice. I don't have to worry about anything. It's beanie season out here in Kansas. I don't got to worry about it messing up my hair. I, I've kind of appreciated going bald real quick quick before we get started, I got to share a quick story. As many of you know, I coach high school football. On Friday, all of a sudden, before the game has started, very few people there, high school Friday night, and somebody walks over to me on the field in a Detroit Pistons hoodie. Remember, guys, I'm in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, and someone wears a Detroit Pistons hoodie that isn't me, Omari. And so I start talking to this guy. Christian, shout out Christian. He went to school, grew up in Michigan, around Detroit, went to school out there trying to get into radio and, and all of that stuff. And he actually came out to Kansas. We have one out here that's a pretty good radio station. Was calling the high school football game on Friday night out here. So Detroit Pistons fans everywhere. It was just really cool. I got to chat it up with him for about 20 minutes. We'll stay in touch, see if I can't help him out, score some stuff, maybe back in Detroit, either riding or doing radio or anything like that. But just wanted to shout out Christian. Was not expecting Omari to see a Pistons fan before my game. Uh, like I say, out here in the middle of nowhere.
1: Yeah, no, that's crazy. I feel like Pistons fans are like everywhere. Like we'll be on the road and we'll see, you know, fans with Pistons jerseys just walking around after the game. Uh, even just being in Montreal last Thursday, uh, like I had a waiter that had went to a Pistons game before. I had, like I went to some vintage uh, clothing store and like, you know, the guy there was actually born in Windsor, you know, so he had, uh, you know, some Pistons fandom in them. So they, I mean, I feel like they're like a low-key team that's like secretly one of the more popular. It's really not a secret. They have three championships. So I think any championship team will have a pretty big fan base, but Pistons fans really are everywhere. Like that that, that fan base gets around and travels.
2: Yeah, and that's what... In Denver, I ran into a fan, and then when I was coming back from Summer League in Invasive, you know, ran into him in the airport again. He finally got on Twitter, and he hit me up. I saw that he quote-tweeted that original tweet from July, and I interacted with a little bit in DM. I, you've said it before. We always like to kind of open the pods with it. We love the interaction. I think that's one of the coolest things that I'm not sure we expected to happen as much as it has, Omari, is just the people when we're at games. I know you way more than me, but anytime I go to a game, there's people... Or in the arena, fans, all of that. I'm always shocked every time about how many people listen to the podcast.
1: Yeah, and and you were being recognized all over when we were in Vegas. So, you know, let's see if that continues once we get you back up to Detroit at some point. I was at the open practice on Sunday and I was looking for somebody else and I was just walking uh, through one of the aisles and somebody called my name and like adapted. I didn't know, I had no clue who it was and he didn't introduce himself or anything. I assume he's a pod listener, so... If that's you, uh, nice to meet you. But I, I assume it's from the pod at this point. Like nobody recognizes me from my writing at all. It's always, I listen to the pod, I listen to the pod. It's like, all right, we appreciate it. We really do.
2: How was the open practice? Before we get in, we're going to talk about the Thunder game. We're going to talk about rotations and lineups and Jay and Ivy off the bench, all that stuff. We're going to get into all of it. If you're here with us live, drop some comments in the chat. We'll see if we can get to it. And then again, sheet or sham at the end. But real quick, how was the open practice? I saw a lot of people tweeting about it, sharing videos. I saw the guys were the rookies had to do some dancing or singing or yeah. something. I, I haven't watched much of it, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I like to do a little bit of rookie hazing at the end. Uh, we had uh, Sarah Thompson dressed as Ken. Uh, you know, if you saw the Barbie movie, you know that Ken has been a popular character uh, this year. And I think Barker Sasser with Scooby-Doo, uh, one of the rookies dressed as a hot dog, I forget who. And then they all sang at mid Although they didn't really sing, they kind of like half sang, so that was disappointing. But as far as open practices go, honestly, it was probably... Like not that exciting just because they didn't do a, a scrimmage like they usually do. I went to some open practices when I was in high school and middle school and then they always had a scrimmage and then Dwayne Case would have scrimmages so maybe, you know, Mati just didn't have a scrimmage that day for whatever reason. Maybe, you know, that's not what he wanted to do for fans or maybe he just wanted to get people home in time to watch the Lions since the Lions came out of 4-15 and the Pistons open practice was at 3 so I'm sure some people appreciate it being able to get home in time for that game. The Lions are 5-1 and one, by the way. And it, the like Chiefs are five. as
2: well. Just in case you Chiefs wanted to know, the, the Chiefs are also five and one right now.
1: The Chiefs are also five and one right now. You know, if they're one loss, being you know against the home team here, but fair enough, you man. know we're gonna move fast that We're gonna move fast <laughs> that They didn't have Travis Kelsey, so
2: or Christian. Maybe they will just
1: saying, yeah, or yeah, and you, and you guys Jones. didn't
2: have Jamo. You didn't have Jamison Williams, so it's fair.
1: Yeah, though no, we didn't have Jameson Williams, which was, you know, of the injuries in that game, I think that was the, or I guess it wasn't an injury, he was suspended, but that was the biggest absence, in my opinion.
2: Wow. Over Travis Kel... Oh, no, we're, we're not going down the leaving- show. <laughs> Shout out the Lions, they're having a great season, they're one of the best teams in the NFL, it's not just like a real feel-good story, this team is legit, they're really good. Let's talk about the other Detroit team, Omari. Oklahoma City Thunder game comes out, Thunder are essentially playing all their dudes. They build a lead. Cade didn't play in this game. on again, Monte Morris, Jalen Duran didn't play in this game either. I don't think it was a surprise that OKC built the lead. What I like seeing was then whenever those guys kind of went out for the Thunder Omari, we saw the Pistons kind of second, second and a half, third units really take over this game. They end up coming back and the Pistons win this game. What were your takeaways? What was the main takeaway and any big thoughts from this game?
1: Yeah, Matsi called it a coacher win afterward. And I mean, of course, it's preseason, but just the way they went out on Sunday against Phoenix, where they were down 20 points in the opening quarter. Uh, I think they threw up as many as 26. And then obviously they uh, sent that game into overtime and had a comeback toward the end, but uh, disappointing performance overall. Uh, you know, I mean, they had KD and, you know, book, but I, I don't think any of those guys played more than 15 minutes. So for them to come back, uh, you have an OKC team that, was basically playing a home game uh, because Lou Dort, uh, like he addressed the crowd before the game. He's from Montreal. And of course, Shea is from Toronto. So, you know, you had two high profile Canadians in that game. So basically a road game for the Pistons and for them to be able to rally back, especially with the lineup they had at the end where you have Marcus Sasser, Wiseman and Stanley Umbude who all kind of caught fire. At the same time, uh, they really stole that game from them. And if they're not going to start well, you at least have to finish well. And that's what they did in that game. They they finished. I don't think they took their first lead until there was like a minute 20, a minute 30 left when Sasser hit it three. Um, Might have been a little bit more than that. But at the very end of the fourth quarter, and then you come around to win. So that's what you want to see. You want to see them fight. Uh, we don't know how good they'll be at this year. But you want to see them compete at the very least. and. In both games, they really have competed. You know, they've finished stronger than they've started. And we'll see if Monty can figure out how to get them going a little bit sooner.
2: Yeah, what I took away from that game, of Mari, and I'm interested to get your thoughts, is, I mean, we know Cade and Duran are going to start. I assume Boyan's going to start. So you, you could really argue the Pistons were missing three of their starters. And we'll talk more about that in just a little bit. And I would say four of their close to best eight players when you add in Monte Morris. What I thought this showed was, I still don't know if we know how good the top-end talent on this roster is yet. We don't know how good this... We don't know what the starting lineup's going to be, let alone how good it's going to be. What I thought it showed was... What Troy Weaver has done, though, in a positive way with the rest of the roster, building out the roster, a talented roster at 11, 12, 13, 14, even guys on two-way. I think Stanley Amude, he's not even on a two-way, actually, but I thought he has looked really, really good. I want to give him some love. I tweeted out, I don't know if they have this in the plans, but I hope when the Pistons fill out their 15-man roster, Amude is the guy that gets that third two-way, which can't happen until they fill out the 15th spot on the roster. I just think it really shows the depth that he has built, which goes to competition and practice and fighting for spots. But also, every once in a while throughout a season, you need those guys. And I I feel like Weaver, you know, for everything people may want to critique, I feel like that showed out in this game with the guys you mentioned, Sasser, Amude, even the bigs, right? They look good in those situations.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of what we come back to, is that this team has depth that they just haven't had. You know, really since I've been covering the team, and this is going to be uh, my fourth season doing that. I really haven't had death in all those years, just due to injuries, due to to rebuild, this and that. Um, Stanley's been great. I mean, for him to hit those big threes that he did, I mean, I think he's good defensively. He's a solid athlete, and he's a guy that's been in their, I guess, G League pipeline. He was with the Border City crews last year, spent some time with the Pistons. Only appeared in one game, I believe. But, you know, we saw him in practice behind the scenes getting getting reps in, and they appear to be playing. off. he played pretty well toward the end of Summer League as well. So, you know, there's some traction there. Uh, I'd be curious to see where he ends up, whether he just returns with the Motor City crews or can kind of work his way into a, a bigger role. But, I mean, you just look at this team's need for... Wings in general, and if he could really shoot the ball like that, then absolutely, he's a guy that should stick around in some capacity.
2: And I want to mention, we're not even seeing Isaiah Livers, right? So that's another guy. Mm-hmm. Of the 14 rostered spots, you didn't have five. So you're down to nine. And so, some again, those two-way guys... You know, a guy like Stanley Mude, they get a chance and they play really well. Omari, was there anybody or anything from this game that was a little bit disappointing? They got out to the slow start. I didn't think the energy was really good early. I'll give a quick one here, just for the team in general. I still am a little frustrated with the overall ball screen defense. I think the guards and the perimeter guys are struggling to navigate those ball screens. I don't know if it's communication from the bigs or what. I kind of I know it's preseason, and so I doubt Monty and Dan Burks are throwing everything out there. I'm kind of interested to see if we see a little bit more of at the line of the screen, maybe some hard hedging, that type of stuff, because just the straight drop coverage hasn't looked real good, in my opinion.
1: Uh, They've been, for the most part, uh, you know, been switching one through four and then, you know, just having whoever the biggest drop, as you mentioned. And for that to work, you just need, you know, your perimeter, perimeter defenders to really navigate those screens and, you know, just limit penetration. Uh Dasar has been great at yes, it. But that's yes his his thing. Uh, you know, I think, you know, killing is a guy who who could fight through screens. I think Sasser's not some of that. But as a whole, this team just hasn't really quite figured that out. It was an issue last season as well. Uh, you know, you could blame you for whatever it is, but you know, this team just right now doesn't really have the defenders to make that scheme work. Well, I mean, really, when you have bad defenders, no scheme's going to work, right? I mean, there's only something much you could do to hide that. Uh, you know, so the defense is a work in, in progress. And I do think that uh, Monty's rotations will be influenced by, you know, guys who can compete on defense because that's all they've talked about all preseason is that they want to make a defensive leap next season. Uh, really, the main thing that was just bad about that game was just the first half. Uh, I think they committed 15 fouls and they had. 12 turnovers against 12 assists and it just doesn't matter how well you shoot and they didn't shoot that bad in the first half but um, I, I mean actually they shot pretty well in the first half 55% I'm looking at it now but it doesn't matter how well you shoot when you're turning over the ball at that rate and putting opposing players on the line at that rate and it was just like a lot of mental errors I thought like stuff they cleaned up after halftime and you know Monty says about this group is that they show remorse right they understand when they do wrong and they try to put their heads down and correct it. And obviously the second half, they did clean up a lot of those issues while still shooting the ball well. And that's why they came back and won. And they really locked down defensively in that last period too. Like OKC shot above 50% almost the whole game until that last period. They shot like six for 26 overall. So they did kind of round into shape toward the end. And I think some of that was just having, you know, some good defenders on the floor, like Mountie's praise sassy so just for his defense thus far. But it's just these slow starts, man. Like, I don't know... Um part of it okay, like this is not the starting lineup we're gonna see during the season. There's no K, there's no bogey. Uh so it's tough to maybe criticize them too toughly on that quite yet, but it also was an issue on, on Sunday. So they just have to find a way to get that energy going immediately.
2: Yeah, and what I do like d- that they do defensively, and maybe this could get things going, is I like when they pick the ball up full court. I think they have some guys that can do that. That's something that Asar can do. I think it's something Jay Nivey could be really good at. Killian can do that. If Sasser's in the game, that's something he can do as well. Let's check in on the rookies just a little bit here, Amari. I, Sasser played really well, right? He has some big shots. You saw that nuclear scoring that we saw in that final summer league game out in Vegas Where do you think he fits into this? I don't want to go completely into the rotation just yet, but what is the role? Is there somebody in the backcourt you feel like he fits the best with? You know, like Cade kind of makes sense because you have the bigger guard, but I doubt he's getting minutes with Cade. Where do you think he's just going to fit into this rotation where there's a lot of guards that need minutes between Cade and Ivy? And I assume Alec Burks is going to get minutes and they traded for Monte Morris. Where, Where do you see this flowing and going for Marcus Sasser after a really good game?
1: That's a good question. I mean, we talked about that with Monty uh, this week. I mean, you have five guards who are our lead ball handlers, and all look like they're ready to do it. You know, between Sasser and Kill, I think that really puts pressure on the guys in, in front of them to be on their A game. And we'll see. Uh, you know, actually asked Monty how plan, how deep he plans to go with his rotation, and he said it's really hard to go past ten players unless you're going with some special lineups. I don't think half of that's going to be point guards, you know. Like I just don't, I just don't think that's likely. So somebody probably gets squeezed out. Uh, realistically, it's probably going to be tough for Sasser to see the floor unless he's just really balling out. Uh, and I think the things that help him are one, he could shoot it, but two, he could also really defend. And I know we're going to talk about killing a little bit here as well, but you know, I think if you were the best defensive guard in that group and you're a guy that could take pressure off of Cade, uh, Mati talks a lot about how much Cade had to do. And he was healthy as a rookie. Like, he was defending Lever Team's best wing and he was running the offense. And that's just really taxing for a lot of players. You typically don't see guys who are the lead initiators on the offense also, you know, take the toughest defensive assignments. So, if Sasser can really, really defend and knock down those open shots, like, I think that works in his favor. Uh, you know, he's a guy that played a little bit off ball in Houston. Like, we know he can do it. And that's really what it boils down to. I think defensively, he could be the best defender in that group and that's also going to help him as well so he just you know you can't really have any bad games like the margin for error is very thin for all these guys with the competition back there
2: yeah i wonder just because you have vets and some guys that have been in the organization a little longer and quite honestly a guy like killian hayes you're about to have to make a decision on one way or the other if those guys get the first crack but sasser because he's so good is putting pressure on them to perform and then if they goes those guys don't perform Amari or they decide to trade them. Remember, Burks is on an expiring. Monte Morris is on an expiring. You may not want to keep those guys around past the trade deadline if they're not in the future plans. And then Sasser gets a chance. I think his role in the organization, I'm not saying he's not good now, Amari. I'm not saying he's not ready. I just wonder if his role really takes a jump in year two. You brought up Killian. So this comes from YouTube user. Always appreciate you in the chat watching live. Is the Killian hype train from Monty real? How does he get in the 10-man rotation? without injury as some are starting to suggest so do you think that we're going to see Killian in that aforementioned 10-man rotation of Monte Williams and what have you thought about his play so far?
1: One I think it's tough to say just because we haven't seen Monte Morris yet and we know what he can do right but I think Killian is going to work his way into that rotation one way or another and I think that uh the hype train is real for Monte's and he talked about how he had always got to watch Killian from afar and likes his, his skill set. And then again, I mean, Monty talks so much about defense So we know that Killian can really defend. And I also think that Monty's putting Killian in positions where he's comfortable, right? Like we haven't seen him shoot off ball as much. He's had the ball in his hands and he's uh, taking those, those pull-up middies. So he's gotten to the rim here and there, Uh, you know, so the ball really is in his hands a lot, you know, which is where he's most comfortable. We saw him be more of a spot-up guy last season. and uh, Those shots filled for a few weeks, but it just wasn't quite consistent. So, you know, once Cade is back, once Monte is back, I am curious to see how that impacts Killian, just given that he won't be able to get as many on-bar reps. I mean, he started last Thursday and he came off the bench Sunday, so, no, he's probably not going to start when some of those guys are back. So we'll see. I mean, I think there's a lot we don't know about this rotation just because, A handful of guys have been hurt, so it's tough to, you know, see kind of where Monty is on certain guys. And maybe we'll get a better feel for that uh, this week when they play the Thunder and Dallas back-to-back. But I do think the Killian hype train is real. I think, uh, you know, he has a real fan and uh, Monty Williams, and I think defensively, that's going to help him a lot, just given that he can do that better than everybody else.
2: How do you feel about the three-guard lineup off the bench? Because essentially, if you're going to get Killian in the 10-man, that's almost what you have to You either have to go with the starting lineup that is three guards, which we will talk about because my guy Sam Vecini brought it up whenever I was talking with him yesterday, and he brought up a three-guard starting lineup. Or if you don't go a three-guard starting lineup, then it has to be off the bench. Something like Monte Morris, Alec Burks, and Killian. Or if you're still bringing Jaden off the bench, Monte, Jaden, and Killian. I don't absolutely hate it. But as you mentioned, a lot of those guys want to play with the ball in their hands. Killing almost has to play without the ball in that lineup. I mean, Monty can shoot it and we know Jaden can play off the ball. I just, I'm real interested to see how that fit all works for Killian with the three-guard lineup. I think there's room to do it, right? Because this team is a little bit weak at the wing, like that 3-4, specifically the four spot. But I just, I'm just i curious how you feel about a three-guard lineup, whatever combination it ends up being.
1: Yeah, we've talked to Mati about that a lot, uh, including today and for those who are listening when it drops Tuesday instead of on the live show. We're, we're recording this Monday. Uh, but we talked to Mati about it today. And he did go with some three-guard lineups in Phoenix. He mentioned if you look at By Hill as a guard in that lineup, which, you know, I guess you could construe him being a, uh, you know, a big two perhaps. Uh, but he said the difference is that you had Chris Paul, who's like menning the pick and roll. And obviously this is a very different roster, uh, you know, with different skill sets. He talked about the challenge of making sure those guys have enough spacing around them. Obviously if Killian's out there and he's out shooting it well, and that probably puts extra pressure on who's next to him. You know, whether it's Cade and Ivy or Cade and Monty or whoever, to really knock down shots. You know Monty, can shoot, so that helps. Uh, but then I also asked Monty, can you see Kate playing some three, and just given that he's six, six with a seven foot wingspan? And, you know, we seen him make some really good defensive plays. And he said yeah. And they ran Kate some off ball actions today, you know, with Killian, playing point guard. So he really is tinkering a lot uh with this guard lineup. And I don't know if we'll see a three guard rotation immediately or every night, but I do think it's something that they'll they'll toy with and see if it works. Because I mean again, you have five guys who are all pretty deserving of minutes. And it's going to be some tough decisions to figure out which guys are are playing and which guys are coming off the bench on any given night.
2: All right, before we go to break, I want to get back to Stanley Amude. I think he's played really well. And so I want to give him some more love. So Mickey Jacobs said, could Amude be the 3 and D wing that Bay wasn't? And then our guy Camille from Turkey always shout him out. Is Stanley Amude and Name for the 15th spot for you? So I talked about him getting a two-way. What do you think about Amude potentially just getting that 15th spot on the roster that's not filled right now? I still think that Troy Weaver is smartly waiting to see what happens. I think I counted up the Thunder roster the other day. Amari, they have they have to cut three guys still off that Thunder roster. And that's a really intriguing roster. I think somebody pretty good is going to shake loose from that roster. So I don't blame Troy Weaver waiting, but if he ends up not scoring somebody he really likes from the Thunder or another team, I don't hate putting Amude. Maybe I'm over... like He shot it really well in the G League last year. We talked about this last episode. I think he guards. So to the other comment, I am not going to sit here and demean Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay is an NBA player and he's very talented. But could Stanley end up being a guy that maybe eventually gets into the rotation if he really guards and continues to shoot at almost 40% from 3? Sure, cuz that team this team needs something like that.
1: And I'm curious, you know, just, you know, does this team go with upside for that spot? You know, Stanley's obviously a guy who has that. Or do you just go for it? Positional fit and also maybe getting another vet in there because you have a very young, big man group. And, uh, that front court really could use a, a like a four that could either defend or shoot. Like ideally, both. I don't think you're going to get both, but that's the biggest need for this team. And there's probably going to be some guys cut who you could sign and, 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 and fill that in. You have a young roster already. So, you know, I'd be curious if they're maybe reluctant to use that 15 spot on another young guy unless you're really, really convinced that it's going to be. Uh, move that pays off for you down the road so I'm still TBD on that you know I think through two games Stanley's certainly done enough to put himself in that conversation but at the end of the day you know I think Stanley's also a guy if you look at over the course of the season does he crack the rotation you have Joe Harris you have Bogey Asar you know obviously some guys who would be over him so you know they have that whole at the four and it's probably will be some guys in a week who will be able to fill that spot. So that's still TBD for me. But if Stanley keeps shooting the ball the way he has, he's going to end up somewhere, I think.
2: Yeah, so Camille says, I'm still adding some wings to the mix, by the way. I don't know how, maybe a hardened trade. I'll say it, like the guy I have pegged from the Thunder that kind of fits into that four spot is Jeremiah Robinson Earl. He was a guy that was really good coming out of college. I was pretty high on him. And I think he is a guy that could potentially get moved whenever the Thunder have to make some of the decisions they're going to have to make here in you know just a week or so. 10 days, I guess. So, we're going to go to a short break. When we come back, Omari, we can really dive into these lineups who's starting, who's not. Is Jaden Ivey actually going to come off the bench? There's all things to get into with that. And then a little bit later, again, our guy, Wes, will come on. We'll play some sheet or sham. We'll get into all of that right after this.
1: All right, we are back with segment two. And Bryce, you hit a uh, hot-button topic at the end there. Uh, Jaden Ivey coming off the bench, I think that's been a subject of debate amongst the fan base. You know, like, obviously so. Like, he was your fifth overall pick a year ago, and you probably don't expect a guy like that to come off of the bench. But I'm just curious, through two games, what have you seen from Ivy in that role and and how, and how would you approach that as as well? because uh, obviously I think Monty's prioritizing defense with Asar and Killian in that lineup. but I also think Jaden's is talented enough to eventually force the issue there.
2: yeah, I'm really interested to know like what kind of caused this from Monte Williams and the coaching staff. if this is purely a defensive thing, if Monty is saying Jaden, you're coming off the bench until you really buy in defensively. I don't mind that. And quite honestly, I feel like the fan base has asked for this for a long time, Omar. You can't, as a fan base, you can't ask the coach to hold players accountable, especially defensively, and then get frustrated whenever they do it. And it's not like Jaden's not getting minutes. And just to answer your question, I thought Jaden played really well. I thought he did a really nice job attacking the lane in the first quarter. He continued to do it in the second quarter. He had some... Really nice passes, a couple that he missed. But the thing I put in all uppercase in my notes, Amari, I said he lacks a sense of urgency defensively. Like there was just some things where I'm like, Jaden, you got to have more sense of urgency there. You got to do that more aggressively. You got to do it faster. You got to do it quicker. I realize it's preseason, but I just can't help but wonder if that's what Monty and the coaching staff is trying to pull out of Jaden right now. Now, I'd also be interested, do they just see Jaden Ivy as this sixth man, sixth man of the year? Like, this is just the role he's going to be in. You know, I've said Isaiah Stewart, another guy that's been a hot button topic, is Stu, I think, is the perfect third big for a team, not necessarily a starter. Maybe they see Jaden as that. I don't necessarily agree, Omari. I think the ceiling for Jaden is higher. I was still putting in my starting lineup. But if it is the defense, then I 100% support that if they feel like this is a message they need to send.
1: I do think the defense is a big part of it. Um, I mean, all through camp, Monty's just talked about not only the importance of improving on that end, and of course, Troy's talked about uh, the Pistons need to be built on a defensive end, right? Like, it's not going to be—I mean, not that you want to take, take threes, but if you're going to win games, it's going to be a defensive end. And you do have some wing defenders who— are already capable, if not really good, on that end of the floor. So I think if you look at it from from that standpoint, like what does Jaden Ivey give you in that starting lineup that you don't have? Like you have Cade, um, you know, a star, can give you a lot defensively as a rebounder, as a cutter. Like he's like, in a lot of ways, a perfect off-ball wing. Uh, you know, if he, if he had a jump shot, and that's, you know, obviously the big catch there. But he does everything else. And he has his, his some threes too, you know. It's not like he's a complete non-shooter. Uh, what is Jaden giving you sort of in that row versus bringing him off the bench? He's been the first person off the bench of both games. Uh, he gets to bond his hands immediately. He can attack and he's going to get second units, you know, which, you know, will probably give him an efficiency boost this year. I think it makes sense. Like, I know it's controversial, but when you just look at it from a pure lineup standpoint, I do think it makes sense. I think the question is... You know, by that token, do you then have enough shooting in the starting lineup to, because, you know, Jalen and Ivy can knock down off-ball threes. Do you have enough shooting to make up for that? Uh, you know, if you start a star over him and obviously you'll, you'll get Bogey back, but that also, I think, puts pressure on Isaiah Stewart to really, really knock down threes because if you only have two good shooters in that lineup, it's probably not going to work. And we still don't know if K is, like, a true knockdown guy. yet. Like, I think he is. I'm sure he'll be able to knock down shots. I saw him hit, like, five or six straight today in uh, practice, but... You know, and so he he does it. It's still a hypothetical, right? So there's a lot that I think Monty's gonna have to mix and match for to get that lineup going, but if there is something that inserts Jaden Ivey back into it it'll probably just be that the need for shooting outweighs the need for defense
2: alright so from YouTube user I think regardless of the starting lineup that starts game one it won't go well I think we'll see several starting lineups before Monty settles into a rotation I'm really interested because I brought up to Sam he asked me we were talking about Asar we were talking about rookies that have been impressive obviously Asar has been impressive he goes well you wouldn't start Asar in Detroit would you? I said I actually would and he was very surprised and so the starting lineup I gave him was Cade, Ivy Asar Boy on endurance, he didn't like it. He he kind of pushed back. He didn't think the spacing was good at all. He actually would prioritize Jaden in the starting lineup a star off the bench and then get another three-point shooter in there, somebody like Alec Burks. And so that's where he has kind of pushed this Alex Burks as a starter. Where are you at just with the spacing of some of these potential starting lineups? Because we got some pushback last episode. I, you and I both support Isaiah Stewart. We both said Isaiah has to shoot better than one for six. We've said that. He did, I think he went two for four in that second game. He's got to make guys start to guard him. But how worried are you about the spacing? Because the thing is, Amari. There are floor spacers on this team, but they're all vets. Some of them don't defend that well. So there's some give and take with these different lineups. So if you want the floor spacing, then you may not rebound or defend very well.
1: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, there's only a handful of guys on this team who could really be classified as three and D, right? And one of those guys, Isaiah Livers, is going to be out, you know, for another few weeks at least. So, you know, again, I still think there's, missing information just with some guys being out right now. But I think give and take is the right word for it, right? There's going to be times where you need to go in on offense. You're going to be times where you need to go in on on defense. Uh, You know, if you start a star over Ivy, you know, that's obviously just setting that defensive tone early, right? But then you can still bring Jaden in midway through and kind of get that offensive punch if you need it. It's going to be give and take all up and down the roster. Um, You know, it's an incomplete roster in the sense that, Uh, You know, some guys are just going to be a little bit mismatched positionally. Uh, You don't have a lot of shooting in the front court, so that's always going to be uh, maybe a stressor for the rest of the lineup to kind of make up for that. Uh, You know, unless Isaiah Stewart can really knock him down, which, you know, still a TBD. I think he can shoot, but you don't know if he can shoot, shoot, right? Like, you know, is he 35% or is he 38? So there's a lot, I think, that will factor into that. But I am curious to see if... Monty eventually gets to the point to where if the team just isn't performing that well on defense, and uh, you like you see the effort, but it's just guys having to figure things out. At that point, do you just say, "Okay, we, you know, if we can't beat them, then that way we need to just get more points on the board." I do think he'll he'll tinker with lineups throughout the first few weeks. First pre- preseason games really isn't a lot to figure some of this stuff out, especially when guys are out. So I would be surprised if Monty has like a locked in rotation on opening night i can see him tinkering over the next few weeks
2: so this is from max he said i've decided kade burks Asar boyan durin and then off the bench ivy monty joe harris livers and Stu at the five sasser keeps cooking offensively can guard at least a net neutral defensively he's getting minutes uh, what, what do you think about that as a starting lineup there that gives you you know burks and boyan spacing the floor you have Asar as the defender hopefully Jalen durin this is something a lot of the fan base wants to see, which is Isaiah Stewart at the five. So you have him and Livers defensively, not a lot of perimeter defense in that lineup, but Monty Morris and Joe Harris really space the floor. Ideally, Isaiah Livers spaces the floor if he can get healthy, of course, and we know that's going to be a little bit into the regular season. But I think this just speaks to like now you we just talked about Killian Hayes and how much Monty Williams, like that's the thing, Omari is, like, I think we talked about this with Stu and him not being, a sar doesn't space the floor either. So as much as we love Asar, he is someone you have to keep in mind when you're putting rotations to, together. Killian Hayes, whether you like him or not or whatever, it sounds like he has a chance to be in the rotation. He doesn't exactly space the floor either. So you have to keep that in mind. And then as you said, you have no bigs that have already shown throughout their careers they can space the floor. So again, while there is, floor spacers on this team that just, it's always hard. It's a little more difficult to piece it all together. It's fun, right? It makes fun for me and you to discuss it, but I don't think it's super easy. And I think we're going to see what you're talking about, where it may not be a thing where we see the same starting lineup, three, four or five games in a row based on matchups and how people are playing. And do they say, Hey, we just got to try to outscore this team tonight, right? They may just go into the games and we can't guard them. We can't defend them. Let's just try to outscore them and put our best offensive forward. So I think it'll be really interesting to see see um, early in the season how Monty Williams navigates all of that.
1: And there will be nights where you probably have to prioritize one over the other, or maybe even a lot of nights, right? You know, Burks can really knock down shots, but he's not a great defender. Uh, You know, same for Brian Bogdanovic. He can really shoot, even handle the ball a little bit, but he's not going to defend. Otherwise, Isaiah Stewart, you know, all of his value right now has mostly been, you know, defense, rebounding, uh, you know, some interior scoring, that that type of thing. But you need some other guys to step up. So I also think development will also factor into it. You know, if Ivy can at least be a neutral defender and not, you know, a, a not great one as he currently is, then that changes the calculus a little bit. Or, you know, maybe Cade really emerges as like a really, really good defender. I mean, he's 6'6", six, six, foot wingspan. Um, You know, we talk about the team doesn't really have that type of guy, but between Cade and Asar, you have two players who could occupy that type of role. So, yeah, I do think a lot of this is going to be worked out in the first few weeks as Mati just gets a better handle on what his players are capable of, what they're not capable of, and, you know, which roles he thinks they can grow into. And it's going to be a process of child and and error. Like, he may not get this truly figured out until until the season, right? Like, even if then, it's just going to take a lot. Uh, not only on his end, but from the players to show that they can improve in those areas.
2: Yeah, this is from Sharon Dalton. I would rather keep defense and spacing. And that's, again, that's the give and take. You know, you put out a lineup and people are like, well, that doesn't space the floor. And the counter can a lot of times be, well, it also doesn't defend or rebound. That's kind of why I like a star in the starting lineup is, I think he rebounds so well, that'll maybe make up for, if it's Burks and Boyon. now he can go grab some rebounds, obviously defend. Mikey Jacobs, I feel like we'll need to trade for a two-way Pat Will type. Yes, like I would love Patrick Williams. Let's talk about Asar. So this is from MB Well. Asar is different, bro. He's the ringleader on this team. I do think Asar is really, really good. What, what have you thought? I know we talked about him after the first game. Second game, we've seen a lot of the same stuff. He's taking these matchups that we talked about already. He did get in a little bit of foul trouble in this game, which is something that has been discussed before on the pod. But he's rebounding the ball. I think he does a lot of the stuff offensively where he just... Cuts at the right time, offensive rebounds, the shooting. He has to be able to shoot more with the efficiency, right? We've seen him knock down some big ones, though. What, what have you thought from a star? I have a couple areas I think I would really like to see him improve, but where are you at after two preseason games?
1: Yeah, I think he's been as advertised. I mean, you mentioned the cuts. he mentioned the defense, the rebounding. But he's done all of those things, and I still think that, you know, maybe especially with the injuries, you're still kind of finding your place in the pecking order and whatnot, he did kind of take that step back three, uh, that fell like early in the shot clock last week, which, you know, obviously it's good to see, right. That he has the confidence to take that, you know, with like 18 seconds left and also hit it, Uh, you know, so you're even seeing some signs of growth here and there, but you know, the way he just kind of dances around screens, I think is really, really impressive. Right. Like we talk about his defensive tools, like that is a skill that a lot of players just don't naturally have. And, not that anything's natural, right? Like, of course, you put a lot of hard work into that, but he also just appears to play with like this instinct that you can't teach, uh, just knowing how to make yourself available, right? Knowing when to cut, knowing when to just like tracking down rebounds. He, re- he rebounds really well for his size. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, like it's a cliche, but he's like that type of Swiss army, uh, knife that you need, right? On any given night, he could be one of your lead playmakers. He could be your lead defender. He could, uh, you know, cover some rebounding gaps, especially if you're playing smaller with Isaiah Stewart at the five. There's just a lot that he does that's really useful uh, for this team and is conductive toward winning. And I think for pre- pre- two preseason games, we've seen a lot of what we saw in Vegas and of course what he did at OCE last season.
2: Mel, man, you're you're in my notes. Asar's finishing needs Uh to improve some, and his handle is loose. He keeps having to look down at his dribble. He said, "Love him though." No, listen, those were legit. The two things I had in my notes from the Thunder game, and I don't want anybody to take this as hate or we don't like Asar. Like we've all we've done is boost Asar going back to summer league. But I wrote in my note two offensive improvements. Was felt like he was loose with the ball and felt like he has to grow finishing around the rim. And I do want to say, this was something that was in the scouting report coming out of this season in OTE. If you went to Synergy and you changed the finishing at the rim to just half court, it wasn't as impressive as what you would want for somebody as athletic as him and the competition he was playing against. Now, the weird thing was, if you went two years ago, it actually was pretty good. So I don't think it's long-term issues. I'm not concerned about it necessarily, but if we're just critiquing looking at these players and looking for areas of growth and those type of things, I do think those are two things he could look to focus on is look to finish a little bit better at the rim, And then that handle. And the reason I want to see that handle improve is because I actually think he can play with the ball in his hands because he does read the floor so well. I want to see him be able to operate ball screens and those type of things. So just some small areas of improvement, things to watch for moving forward with Asar. What did you think about the big man battle? You know, we came after the first preseason game and it was kind of the... Marvin Bagley's show after Wiseman played well, but not just incredible. And then Bagley got the start with Duran out and then Wiseman kind of stole the show in his late minutes. I feel like these two are just going to be neck and neck all year. And I can see one guy getting the minutes. If he doesn't play well, then the other guy gets the next rotation. Is that the vibe you're getting with those two bigs?
1: It is right now, just because I don't think there's been a clear uh, separating between them through two games. I mean, uh, what James Wiseman, I think he made every shot. Uh, yeah, he shot eight for eight, twenty points, ten rebounds, plus nineteen. I mean, he was about as good as it gets in that game. But he did a lot of the stuff that, you know, I think you want to see from them, you know, being able to hit short jumpers. I thought defensively he was pretty good. He's rebounding and he just looked engaged overall. I think you know, I think what it could come down to is just that Bagley can thrive without the ball. Like he's a lob threat. He can, you know, put backs like he thrives in those things. And Wiseman is more give me the ball and I'll make something happen. But he's, he, he probably isn't going to pass it, right? He's going to take a short jumper. He's going to post up and do something. And I think Wiseman needing the ball, uh, in my mind, could affects the lineups you probably put him in, right? Like you probably wanted him in more of a featured role rather than that auxiliary. I'm going to offensive rebound and, you know, do the things we saw Bagley do last Sunday. So I am curious to see how that evolves this weekend with both of those guys healthy. And we'll see, you know, we'll and we'll see how that plays out. But I did think that was a good response, uh, you know. After Wiseman was pretty quiet on Sunday, where are you at with that, Bryce? Because I I do feel like some of that could just be both these players attack the game differently. So it just depends on on personnel some nights. I
2: I don't know. You know, like coming into the season, I personally was Marvin Bagley, but I felt like the team was going to prioritize James Wiseman. And here's the thing. Like, I wasn't going to die on that hill, Omari. That wasn't something I was like going to pound the table and say, no, I really believe it should be Marvin Bagley. People would come back at me with really fair points. You know, James Wiseman hadn't played very many minutes. Marvin Bagley's kind of a known commodity where James Wiseman has the higher upside. I get all that. I've liked Wiseman. Wiseman's defensive rebounding, I think on the defensive end, he's really tried to prioritize that. I think both of them aren't that good defensively either way. And so it's kind of like, I think Wiseman gives a little bit of the ISO go get buckets thing that you were talking about, where I feel like, and I could be wrong here. I feel like Bagley gets it a little more in the flow of the offense. What's intriguing to me, and I've always said this, I think Bagley's jumper actually looks decent. Like I think he actually could consistently knock down shots of all of those bigs. He's kind of the one that I would believe in just based on the form. And we've seen him make some of those trail threes here in preseason. So where I'm honestly at Amari, let him fight it out every single night. Give Wiseman the first rotation off the bench. And then if he plays really well, let him get the next one. If he doesn't, put in Bagley. And let's just let him compete all year long and see if one guy rises to the top or not. And I think that's just legitimately where I'm at.
1: Yeah, I mean, it may not be a battle that's like definitively decided, right? I mean, if one guy comes in and he's cold or just missing too many defensive rotations or whatever it may be, go off the other guy, Um, you know, you could keep flipping that switch just depending on in-game deed and how they're performing at any given moment. Because, you know, we've seen Bagley go through some code spells in the past too. And, you know, Wiseman's still learning a lot. So just another battle that could probably take a few weeks to be settled if anything, but I do agree that I just feel like Bagley's a little bit more instinctive in how he attacks the offense, you know, like knowing when to, you know, dive, making so available for lobs and stuff like that. And he has pretty good chemistry with Kate Cunningham as well. I feel like they really haven't played that many games together because Wiseman came toward the end of Kate's rookie season and then, of course, Kate and Bagley missed a lot of time last year, but we saw that on on Sunday that, you know, Bagley is pretty good at playing off of Detroit's guards. So in the end, that could be but gives him the leg up if Wiseman's somebody who's going to continue to to command the ball. But again, if Wiseman's going eight for eight, then maybe you want him to have the ball, right? So... Yeah, I'm curious to see how, how that shakes out. And a lot of that, I think, comes down to Wiseman and his extent to be able to create his own offense.
2: I was listening to like a national podcast the other day and somebody was talking about how they've been roped into the Detroit Pistons backup big man competition of James Wiseman versus Marvin Bagley III. So it is really an interesting, you know, guys that got drafted super high in the draft, you know, all of that stuff. So they're names that people know. What the, the problem with Bagley is we have a pretty large sample size of missing threes. Yes, that's true. I, I was just, I'm not saying that he's going to come in and really shoot it. I'm just saying just basically, off the form, I'm always like, man, that doesn't look too bad. But we got to go to a break here and then Wes, I don't know what he has for us. I have no idea what these questions are going to be about. All I know is they're going to be rigged in Omari's favor, like always. So after this short break, Wes will join us, looking real good with his new webcam, and we're going to play or Sham. Everybody watching live, you guys get ready to go and play with us.
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any
1: All right. We are back with segment three, and we're going to bring in Wes, who we're seeing you're, in 4K good, for the first Wes, time. Look man, at him. Look go. at him. So clear.
3: So clear. Look at him. Wes, what's up, man? Take us home. Brand new webcam. You can kind of see my dog in the background there. Doing good. Doing good. Real excited to jump on for Shader Sham. I got a bunch of like preseason stat stuff this time, uh, whenever you guys are ready to dive <laughs> into it.
2: Yeah, let's get started. Can you give us the current results or whatever it is? I know Amari's winning. I don't really care. But just for the listeners, let everybody know.
3: So Amari's winning. It's 6-2 to uh, all time. But (laughs) we did have a tie uh, last game. So technically here, the first question is going to decide the last game and also count for tonight. So which one of you two wants it? I want it.
2: All right. There
1: we go.
3: You want him first. All right. Yeah. Here we go. Sheed or Sham. Through only two preseason games, Killian Hayes leads the team in minutes played. He is also the Sham. only player averaging more than 30 minutes a night. Sham. Oh, Sham. That was a strong Sham. It's
2: a SAR. It has to be a SAR. He, he played like 40 minutes game one. I'm going to go
1: Sham. I feel like not only a SAR, I feel like there's one other player he might to play more than Kill, but. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm going to on that one.
3: I thought I'd get you guys on the hype on that one. It was Asar. Asar was first. He's yeah. the only one over 30 minutes. Now, okay. Killian, though, is second. He's at uh, just under 24. So we'll we'll punt. We'll move on to the next one. For, I just uh, time remember
2: he played like f- almost 40 minutes in that overtime game. And then I yeah. remember watching this Thunder game and I was watching it back. And I'm like, Monty just loves riding Asar Thompson throughout an entire game. You know, it doesn't matter who he's playing. It's yeah. the dudes. It may be kind of the back end of the roster. Asar Thompson is going to continue to get minutes. So I, I felt pretty strong on that. That may be the most positive I've been about an answer of <laughs> all of these that we have done.
1: Yeah, I remember uh Bonte talking about not meeting the players 38 minutes in that first game and I mean I honestly couldn't say off the top of my head how many he played on Thursday but he started again of course and I know he played a lot like he was out there most of the game so that was so that was good so we'll settle in on this next one and uh you know my hands are up. You know Bryce always says, "You know me and West are in cahoots." It's not true at all. Uh, you know West has a completely separate Google Doc. I mean, no, he, no, like, that's what—that's why yeah. I
2: think you guys are cheating because it used to be on the Google <laughs> Doc that we all have access to. I never checked. Now never all of a it. sudden it's on a Google Doc that only West has access to. Supposedly,
3: only West has it. Only West has it. I changed it so that you guys couldn't highlight the ant- the uh, cheat or sham questions and find the answers because I just highlighted it black to try and censor it. But if you guys were a little, you know, forensic scientist, you could have figured it out in five minutes. I'm not so trying to bad We're not worried them. about whether I. Yeah, we're not cheaters. Neither of
1: us are cheaters. <laughs> just so, go to the know, We let's, play fair. We play fair.
3: Okay, let's go to the next question. All right, all right, next next question. This one also now is the tiebreaker. We'll go to Mari first since Bryce got the last one. Sheed or Sham, James Wiseman leads the team in rebounds per game through the two preseason games.
1: Sheed. No, just Sheed. I already, yeah, I said Sheed, so Sheed. Yeah, I, like, I already said it. I don't think that's true, but Sheed. I already said it.
2: I want to say Sheed. My initial reaction was Sheed, but I have enough thought that maybe it's not that I'll just, to break this tiebreaker and... Maybe get a win. I'm gonna go ahead and say sham just because my, my inclination was sheed, but I'm gonna go sham.
3: It was sham. It's a sar Thompson. And Wiseman's yeah.
2: second, eight Wait, and a half. Okay, say that yeah. what are the numbers? Because it's gotta be close because Wiseman had 10 last Wiseman game. Wiseman only had
1: one Wiseman had one rebound in the first game. I remember oh, really? that. He only had one. He only had one rebound. Yep. So he had one and then he had ten and the Sar rebounded decent in like both games. So as soon as I said sheet, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. It's not sheet. What, shit. what
3: are the numbers, Wes? What were the averages? Sar's at nine, and Wiseman's at eight and a half.
2: No, so yeah. he had more than that. If he had ten in the second game, then he had seven in the first. Well, I'm going to check real quick. I'm pretty sure he only
1: had one. Maybe I, I thought
2: he defensive rebounded. Pre- he may have only had one offensive rebound, but I'm pretty sure he defensive oh, rebounded. I no, thought he did have seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he
1: did have seven. He defensive
2: okay. rebounded pretty well in that first game also, but I mean, again, that just tells you what a star does on the boards, which is really impressive. So, what what, what is it now? Six to three or seven three? Six to three. Okay, you I, got it. Six to three, I, and it's two one tonight already. I, uh, now, I've I've yeah. got also some big leads and lost them. Like I'm the ultimate like blow the the lead in this game. But I, okay, I'm
3: feeling a little bit better. I like it. Let's go. Got the fresh shave and got it done. That's what's coming to you. Uh Sheed Orsham, Stanley Amude leads the team in free throw attempts per game through two preseason games. And I do want to throw in, because I forgot to say this in the beginning, we do still have phone the chat. So if you guys are ever in a situation where you're not sure, you can once per game ask the chat the question and see and go with whatever they say if you so choose. So I just want to throw that out there.
2: Mel, YouTube user, all you guys that are in here all the time, you guys gotta help me out with this. I'm going to say Sham.
1: I'm going to go. Well, I'll just go shoot. I'll go shoot because I actually think, I know he's top two. I know he's top two or three because he's taking some end game free throws. So I'm going to go shoot.
3: Sham again. Yeah. It, it was, was okay. again, a star Thompson. That's who I was. I okay. mean, you okay. wouldn't ask me.
2: So how okay. many is he averaging? Six. Is Is Stanley up there
3: though? Yeah, he was up there. Jalen Duran is technically tied for first. He's also averaging six, but he didn't play in the second yeah. game, so Amude was right behind.
1: Yeah, I'm, 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 I knew he was top two. I just didn't know if he was one.
3: YouTube user, I think it's probably true. I
2: was wrong. It's sheet or sham, man. You gotta, you gotta get in with this. Is one of our favorite things that we created early in the history of the Pistons Pulse. Um, I thought you were going to ask if he led the team in three point percentage. Is what I, I, I thought he was. That's yeah, where I thought I was, you were going to go with that question. Yeah, uh, but and I would I was definitely going sheet on that one. So three one. Uh, look at me keeping score tonight because I don't suck at the game. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, uh, three one. Got a little bit of a lead here. Got to keep it going. What, what's our next one here, Wes?
3: All right, Amari, this one's going to you first. Sheed or sham? Isaiah Stewart leads the team in blocked shots per game through two preseason games.
2: I think. I think I know. Yeah, I was gonna say sheet. Also, I'm pretty sure he had a game where he had three. It's sheet.
3: Two okay. per night. Yeah. But continue with the trend. Asar Thompson is second with one and a
1: half. I was going to say, I know Asar's up there too. So I, like, I figured that was the top
2: two. Hey, uh, Asar Thompson's pretty good. So again, while we sat here and had a little bit of critique about his game, nobody get it twisted. The Asar Thompson love on the Pistons Pulse is strong. Cell, you had it here. He called in Sheed. the The chat is a little bit slow for us in StreamYard compared to what you guys are putting in YouTube. But go ahead and get your answers in quick. We want you guys to play along. So whether we actually phone the chat or not, drop your answers in the chat. We want to see how you guys are answering comments, thoughts. This is definitely the, the part of the show where we definitely want to interact. We've talked about how much fun it would be to play Sheet or Sham with you guys as we are doing this. So definitely continue to drop those in the chat as we go through this.
1: And no cheating. We can only go honor code on this, so no cheating.
2: Yeah, yeah. No no looking it up, definitely. All right, Wes, that's uh, four down. Let's get to the next one.
3: All right, Bryce, this is back to you. And for these next couple, I went back to our predictions that we did a couple Ooh. episodes ago and tried to put them in context of last season, all right? Because I figured I could only get a few preseason stat questions in, so I had to get creative. So, Bryce, you first. A few episodes ago, we predicted that the Pistons, as a team, would average 113 points per game. So Sheed or Sham, if they did, in fact, do that, they would have been 19th in the league last season.
1: Sham. You said if they averaged 113, they would have been 19th in the NBA last year.
3: 113 and a half. Sorry. You said Sham. I said Sham.
1: Okay.
2: I actually looked this like, up whenever we did the episode and I don't remember what the answer was.
1: Yeah, I was going to say I wrote some stuff on like their points per game uh, last year and I'm trying to recall that information in my head and I could not because I know the pace of play overall was just higher and scoring was higher last year so I think there was like I know, like I just know scoring went up last year so I'm trying to like contextualize 113 in like last season's NBA which is really hard to do. You said Sham I'm just going to go Sheep. I'm going Sheep.
3: Sheep. Oh, it is true. Cold. They would have been nineteenth, so they would be sandwiched right between the Clippers, who were at one hundred thirteen point six, and then a bunch of teams who were at one hundred thirteen point four. So they would have been right in between there.
2: Interesting. I, I didn't think for some reason. I was thinking they wouldn't have pushed them that high. I was thinking they would have stayed lower, even at one thirteen point five. That was that was the prediction. Whenever Amari and I put every all of our predictions together, and that's what it added up to. Okay. All right. So what's the score? Four three. Price. <sighs> Gosh, dang it! Okay, all right. Let's let's get serious here.
1: See if I can steal one.
3: Come on. All right, next one. Uh, Bryce, you first. We also had predicted that Cade Cunningham would average twenty-four points, six rebounds, and six assists per game. So, sheet or sham? If he had actually done that last season, he would have been one of only five players, including himself, to have a stat line of those numbers or greater. And again, those numbers are twenty-four. Six and six.
2: How many did you say he would have been the sixth to do that? Yes, fifth. So only four other players actually did twenty-four, six. I, I feel like that's sham. There's got to be more dudes that did at least twenty-four, six, and six last year.
1: Yeah, like off the top of my head, I could think of three players who did it, but I'm trying to think of a fourth for I can't. Cell says she. So I'm going seed. I'm going seed.
3: Yes, she. Oh.
1: The only other players
3: were Jokic, so Luka, Steph, and LeBron.
1: Steph was the one I couldn't remember. Yes. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I know LeBron, I know uh Jokic, and I know Luca. I couldn't think of who the fourth person would be. But I was like, I can only think of three, so that actually might be true. What, that's did, what
2: crazy. did Shea average last year?
1: Oh, he went crazy.
2: He he
3: must yeah, not he have
2: had it he must not have had the
3: rebounds. that will have been some. This was all pulled off NBA.com. So if they're wrong, I'm wrong. I want to defer blame
2: entirely. Oh, sorry, guys. I'm looking this up on my phone. So, I am cheating. Yeah. God, that man averaged 31 points last year. Yeah, he went crazy. He went nuts. I'm
1: surprised he didn't get to six on six, though, actually. He didn't get happening. six
2: on either one. Wow. that's 4.8 rebounds, 5.4 assists. Shea has never averaged. He's averaged 5.9 rebounds his second year in the league. But he's never actually averaged six assists. I am. I was googling so mad. I was so yeah. mad. Uh,
1: so I believe it's tied now, four four. Yeah. Now, now look
2: who's given score throughout the game. Hey, there
3: you go. It is tied four four. How, how many actually, more questions a do we bit have? because I had a bonus point. So this is the last one, but I had a little bonus point that I threw in it just for fun. Um, okay. So maybe I'll give that one to you guys, but it won't count. Um, all right, which one of you two wants the last question? I'll throw, I'll throw it up to you guys. Which I'll let Omari wants? do
2: it because I, yeah, I think I've it. gone I'll twice the last,
3: and ah, I yeah. chose
2: to go first.
1: Yeah, I want it. I want it. I'll All take right. It.
3: Omari, sheet or Sham. The last time the Pistons had a winning record was the 2018-19 season. That's not a
1: winning record was the 2018-19 season. Sham.
3: This is
2: rigged. Everybody here knows sure. I've only been a Pistons fan for three years.
1: That is, that is, wait, is that Sheet or sheet? I'm trying to think. That is before I started covering though, which makes that a good question. I know they won. So they made the playoffs one year and they won 44. Uh, the COVID, oh, okay, wait. The c- COVID year was... Sheet, sheet, a sheet. I think a Sheet. He doesn't sound very confident. Sheed. I'm going sheet. I'm going sheet. That's the final answer.
2: That's fine. I'll go sham just because he doesn't sound very confident.
3: Sham. There were 500 Ooh. in 1819. That was the Blake Griffin year. They were 500. So the I last was like, time was okay. actually 1617 where they won 44 games. That's when they won 44. So 1819, okay. they went
2: 41 and 41, right? Yeah, that's mm. why I, I feel like I've like just Googled all of their seasons. I remember that year being 41 and 41. Uh, real quick, and then we'll come back to this. From Caleb, it was my first Pistons game since 2011, and third overall. I saw Amari in the crowd, but didn't get to say what's up. What are your thoughts on Windsor?
1: So here's what's. I actually have not ever. I don't think spent any real time in Windsor, which you know I know. Like I know, I knew pe- people in college who like you know like the drinking age is like 19 over there. So I knew people in college who went over there when they turned 19 and celebrated. But I've not actually spent any real time in Windsor. I um. I moved back, like, when the pandemic hits, like, the border was closed. And since everything reopened, I just haven't been over there. So, uh, you know, I think it's a cool place. I mean, I haven't heard anything bad about Windsor, but I need to make it over there and actually explore a little bit because I heard they have some really good food over there. And, you know, you have a uh, Caesar's, so, you know, you've got some fun downtime. So I actually need to check that out, but I have not been to Windsor.
2: Wes, did I win? You did. You won.
1: He's calculating.
2: Let's go. So now it is yeah. all of
3: a sudden 6-4? Yeah, you picked up two wins tonight. Two wins tonight. six, four. let's
2: Let's go. Nice, nice. Well done, Wes. Um, I feel like the we're having a little bit of technical stuff again. If you're live here, what was the uh, like final um, question you had or whatever, the the tiebreaker or bonus question? Yeah,
3: all right, so just for fun, uh, obviously the last time they had won. Uh, more than 500, right? They had a, a winning record in the season. Was 1617? They had 44. Name the year that they had a winning record prior to that.
2: Oh, seven oh eight. Yeah, I, I have no clue. Like you're definitely not getting a good answer from me. Was he close? Seven oh eight. He was seven oh yeah, eight.
1: Nice. Yeah, because they traded for AI the next year and they won 39 games and lost in the first round to LeBron. And that didn't. And then they didn't win at all after that because they. A lot of reasons, but I knew that one. I wish that was the actual <laughs> last question and not the twenty eighteen hey, you
3: know I figured I could get you on the uh the eighteen nineteen one. So and you See, say West was to beat for
1: the, him. Come on. West is trying to beat the allegations that were in cahoots, and I hope this puts it to rest <laughs> permanently. That the question he knew I knew was a bonus and not the <laughs> not the, the lead one. So
2: it wasn't even a sheet or sham question. Like it wouldn't have even been fair. Like anything with history is not It's just unfair to me. So uh, one last thing here from Caleb and then we'll close it out. Thanks, Wes. Looking great with that new HD. And make sure you guys check out Wes and Jack Kelly all the time on DB Live. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, Detroit Bad Boys. They're doing great stuff. That's Wes Davenport, Jack Kelly, DBB Live. Make sure you're checking that out on, on YouTube Thursdays and Fridays. Caleb says, I appreciate you guys. Always a great watch or listen. Passionate, but still rational. So hard to find in podcasts these days. I feel like at the end of the day, man, like we love it. We are passionate about it. We just want to talk about Detroit Pistons and basketball and have fun. I've said it many, many times. We've all become good friends. We genuinely care about each other good relationships good friendships and we're just trying to bring good quality pistons content to you guys week in and week out so i I hope we're doing that for everybody again leave ratings review apple spotify if you're watching on youtube hit the subscribe button give it a thumbs up all of that stuff we appreciate it we love feedback we love the interaction so let us know hit us up on twitter whatever it is wes thank you again amari take it away my guy
1: Yeah, again, thanks everybody for listening and excited to get to next week when we can actually go a little bit deeper and preview the season and watch some real basketball. So a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Thanks everybody for tuning in. And if you see me, like, feel free to like, Shout, shout, shout me out I, I mentioned there's somebody at the open practice who shouted me out and they didn't in, introduce themselves so by all means like feel free and I'll tell Bryce we'll shout you out on the pod so with that I'll close this out uh, big thanks to our audio producer Robin Chan our executive producer Anjad Delgado and our sports editor Kirkland Crawford also big shout out to Wes who's finally in 4k and we'll talk to you all next week